0: I'm Kate Daniels. This is a highly important conversation. Maya Van Rossum is the author of The Green Amendment, Securing Our Right to a Healthy Environment, and joins us now. Maya Van Rossum, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really so appreciative, Maya, because with your new book, The Green Amendment, securing our right to a healthy environment, I feel that you are going to help us to be more organized and aware of creating that healthy environment for our future and for the planet. That's the bottom line of it, isn't it?
1: It is. and as I think you also recognize, it really is the job of a community to protect our environment and to spread the good word. And that's why I'm so thrilled to be with you so that we can, you know, help include others in this new pathway for environmental protection.
0: And it does take all of us. Absolutely. We're only as strong as that weakest link. And I think, unfortunately, of late, we've seen quite a lot of weak links in our whole system, haven't we?
1: We absolutely have. I think our, frankly, let's be honest, our current president, our current Congress, and the current head of the Environmental Protection Agency are really, you know, laying bare for all to see how inadequate our environmental protection system, our environmental protection laws, our political system are for genuinely protecting the natural resources we all need to survive, to thrive, and to live good quality lives. But while they are, you know, really highlighting the problems with our system, the fact of the matter is that our environmental protection system here in the United States of America has been failing us for decades. And as a result, communities are being harmed. And so we need to find a new path, a stronger path, a better path for moving forward. The truth is, our current system of environmental protection laws is more about managing pollution, managing degradation, than it is about preventing it. And unfortunately, includes many pathways and many loopholes that allow people to avoid their obligations when it comes to environmental protection. And so as a result, we have children, adults, communities that are drinking contaminated water, breathing polluted air, suffering from growing flooding and flood damages in their homes because of the way we have treated the environment upstream. So, you know, it really is the way our system of environmental protection has been more about allowing pollution and degradation and just trying to manage the how, when, and where, rather than being focused on preventing pollution and preventing degradation, which is what we really
0: need. And related to that, Maya, we perhaps just think about our kids and how much greater the incidence of childhood asthma is. Isn't that just such a challenge?
1: It really is. And as you said, asthma is another prime example of how pollution and degradation is affecting people's health and the quality of their lives, but particularly when it comes to children and really adults alike. You know, we see increasing levels of autism and Alzheimer's and attention deficit disorder. And all of these impacts to our health and to our lives can be and have been scientifically linked back to growing environmental degradation. So it really is that we are all being touched by the pollution and the degradation that's been allowed to happen. And, in fact, if you look at the news headlines, we see some really shocking headlines. There are things like drinking water blamed on hundreds of illnesses, 13 deaths, CDC reports, 63 million Americans exposed to unsafe drinking water. Air pollution is still killing people in the United States. These are just but a few of the kinds of news headlines we see that show how environmental degradation is not just touching people's lives, but it's damaging their lives and very literally, in some cases, taking their lives away. It it is quite shocking, you know, when people really focus in on this important issue.
0: So along comes this very important book, The Green Amendment, securing our right to a healthy environment. There's so much power in these words, one of them being securing our right, the right. Absolutely. You know, people think that we have all of these environmental protection
1: laws in place that are preventing pollution and preventing degradation. And as I said, they really are more focused on managing it. But the other thing that sort of evades people's consciousness, because we're not taught this throughout our lives, is that while we all believe in our hearts, and rightfully so, that we should have a right to access clean water and clean air and healthy environments, here in the United States of America, that actually is not a right. It is not a constitutional right. Certainly, it's not a right the same way we have the right to free speech and freedom of religion and private property rights here in the united states of america if you read the bill of rights section of almost any state constitution across the nation or the federal constitution we do have these other fundamental freedoms we hold dear like the right to free speech but we do not in fact have a right to clean water clean air and healthy environment except with very limited exception you actually do have a constitutional right to a healthy environment in two states, Pennsylvania and Montana. And my goal with the Green Amendment is to raise awareness about this incredible failing of our constitutions and our legal system here in the United States of America and hopefully to inspire communities across the nation to get active, to get organized, and to rise up together and demand passage of amendments that will recognize and protect the right to clean water, clean air, and a healthy environment.
0: And is this then what happened in Pennsylvania and Montana?
1: Yeah. In both of those states, and it's interesting, there were these constitutional provisions passed that recognized and protected the right to a healthy environment in the Bill of Rights section of the Constitution. But in Pennsylvania, there's just a very notable story that I and my organization, the Delaware Riverkeeper Network, have been an important part of in recent years. While Pennsylvania's environmental rights amendment was placed in the Constitution in 1971, it was very quickly undermined by Pennsylvania's Supreme Court decisions, which declared the amendment to be good public policy, but did not protect its legal strength, the way the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania protected the legal strength of the other Bill of Rights provisions, like the right to free speech and freedom of religion. And so for 42 years in Pennsylvania, there was very beautiful language in the Constitution honoring and recognizing the right to clean water, clean air, and a healthy environment. But in reality, there was no legal strength behind it. Fast forward to 2012 when there was a very pro-fracking, pro-industry piece of legislation passed in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that was really going to devastate Pennsylvania communities even more when it came to the fracking industry than what they were already suffering, what they were already experiencing. And at the Delaware Riverkeeper Network, we realized that perhaps the industry had so overreached in its advancing and securing this very pro-fracking piece of legislation that maybe we were in a moment in time when we could convince the Pennsylvania Supreme Court to revisit how they had interpreted and applied this constitutional provision. And in fact, the challenge we had brought against the Pennsylvania legislation did go all the way up to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And a very conservative Supreme Court, led by a very conservative Supreme Court justice, did in fact revisit the Environmental Rights Amendment of the Pennsylvania Constitution and declared unconstitutional some of the most devastating elements of that pro-fracking law but also very explicitly recognized that the right to pure water, clean air, and healthy environment is, in fact, an inalienable right that belongs to all people in Pennsylvania, across the nation, and across the world. And that in Pennsylvania, because there was this environmental rights amendment, this inalienable right to a healthy environment was recognized by the Pennsylvania Constitution, but also given the highest level of legal protection you can give here in the United States of America, meaning Bill of Rights Constitutional Protection. And so the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, again, declared some of the elements of the law of, as unconstitutional for violating the constitutional right to a healthy environment, but also very powerfully recognized the, the importance of Bill of Rights protection for our Pennsylvania Constitution. And ever since we secured this Supreme Court decision, which actually came down in December of 2013, we have been advancing in Pennsylvania the message that we do, in fact, have an inalienable right to a healthy environment and using that constitutional provision to better protect the water, the air, and the environment for Pennsylvania communities.
0: So could any state basically use this and go to the powers that be and say, we need to institute this in our own state?
1: Yes, and that is exactly what I'm trying to inspire with the book The Green Amendment, is to talk about Pennsylvania's story, to talk about what has happened in Montana, and really paint the picture of how powerfully important a Bill of Rights provision that recognizes the right to a healthy environment can be for both environmental protection but also changing the way we think about the environment here in the United States of America. No longer viewing pollution and degradation as some sort of necessary evil, but really recognizing that harm to our environment and pollution is something to be avoided to the greatest degree possible, and in almost every instance, in fact, can be avoided in how we pursue energy and development and other important elements of our society. Every state has a state constitution and has a pathway for amending that constitution. And so my goal with the Green Amendment is really to inspire communities to get organized and to advance an amendment to their state constitution that would recognize and protect the right to a healthy environment in the same way we recognize and protect the right to a healthy environment in the commonwealth of pennsylvania in the state of montana and i hope that you know as we go forth doing the education and the organizing necessary to get people behind what i call a green amendment movement in state after state after state advancing and seeking and securing these constitutional provisions, these green amendments, that not only will we start to get them added to our state constitutions, but we will quickly realize as a community that we don't just want and need green amendments in our state constitutions, but we want and need one in our federal constitution as well, because a federal constitutional provision is essential for holding our president and our Congress and our federal agencies accountable when they overstep and allow so much pollution, so much degradation, that they are in fact taking from the people of the United States of America their inalienable right to clean water, clean air, and a healthy environment. So I think we begin at the states, and we use the state process to get this going. But then ultimately, again, as a United States community, we will realize that that we also want to come together around a federal constitutional green amendment.
0: So Maya, here in Washington, we like to think ourselves as this really green state. And in many ways, it appears that way. But yet, we certainly do have our challenges both with the water. But one of the big things is the whole thing with the gas pipelines. Pipelines really, particularly the pipelines
1: that are advancing now to serve fracked gas, fracked oil, and other dirty fossil fuels, really are having devastating impacts in Washington and, in fact, in states across the nation. Uh, And the way the system of laws has been set up when it comes to these pipelines, particularly the fracked gas pipelines and the other interstate pipelines that cut across states, The laws are written in such a way that they are incredibly biased in favor of the industry against the people and against the environment and really are a perfect example, which is why I'm sure you raised it, are a perfect example of how and why we need green amendments because the current laws we have in place are designed to help the industry right, to the detriment of the people. And if we had these higher powers, if we had state green amendments, if we had federal green amendments, we would have a much stronger foothold to help communities protect themselves and protect their environments against these very destructive pipeline infrastructure projects, many of whom are being, you know, constructed to service the goal of exporting these dirty fossil fuels to other countries where the industry can actually sell the fracked gas, for example, at a much greater price than they could sell it for here in the United States of America, right? So all these false claims that we're fracking for gas, fracking for oil, continuing to find every pathway to extract every drop of dirty fossil fuel out of the ground so we can become energy independent here in the U.S., That's just a false narrative. It really is about the industry making money. It's not about energy independence or safety or homeland security here in the United States. In fact, it's having exactly the opposite effect. It's devastating communities, devastating our environments, and keeping us very committed to, very dependent upon dirty fossil fuels rather than advancing that clean energy future we need. Um, And in fact, in the book, The Green Amendment, I have a whole chapter that talks about fracking and a whole chapter that talks about pipelines and how green amendments can help protect communities and environments from these devastating industrial operations.
0: So let's underscore the importance and the great value of this book, The Green Amendment. It's really an important must read for all of us because it is what makes a difference for our life, but even more importantly, for the future of our families and for the future of the planet.
1: That's such an important point that you highlight because a properly written and properly placed green amendment, like the one that exists in Pennsylvania, ensures that government officials have to protect the environmental rights, not just of the people who are here today, but of future generations. And, in fact, in that Pennsylvania Supreme Court victory that I talked about that we secured in 2013, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court Chief Justice was very clear about that, that there really is an obligation as a result of Pennsylvania's Green Amendment for protecting the environment for the benefit of future generations. And I think that, you know, we, all of us who are thinking about the environment, who have children or are concerned about, you know, um, children, recognize that, that in this day and age of methane emissions and the continuing growth of dirty fossil fuels and the devastating impacts of climate change, that we really do need to be thinking about those future generations in the way we protect our environment. And that's simply not happening, right? It still continues that industry profits seem much more important to our government officials than protecting our environment For those of us who are here and for the children and generations yet to come, a Green Amendment could really help us flip that because it does obligate consideration of and protection of the environmental rights of future generations.
0: We certainly have gotten ourselves out of balance that making those almighty dollars and corporations showing profits is more important than people being able to live a healthy life.
1: That is so true. And, you know, the other powerful thing that that a Green Amendment does, and and really, you know, that we all, uh, you know, can care about, should care about, do care about, is the issue of environmental justice. The fact that there are still communities across the nation that politicians and regulators have very literally, very intentionally sacrificed when it comes to their access to clean water and clean air. We have urban areas, cities across the nation where politicians and regulators continue to place dirty industrial operations and polluting operations thinking, well, you know what, they're already so overrun by environmental degradation. What does it matter if we place one more highly polluting industrial operation there? You know, but as you and I both know, it really does matter. It does matter for the families and the children that live in that community because every additional bit of pollution further devastates and damages their lives. But if you have a Green Amendment, if you have a constitutional right to a healthy environment and it's properly written and properly placed, it means that every individual, every community has the same environmental rights as every other individual in every other community. And what that results in is that government officials are obligated by virtue of the Constitution to treat all individuals, and all communities equitably when it comes to environmental protection. So we can no longer have these environmental sacrifice zones. And if, in fact, we have politicians and regulators that continue to seek to sacrifice communities by just dumping more and more pollution in one area in an effort to preserve you know, another, right, yes. then... There is a right of those people, a constitutional right, to go into court and to challenge and prevent that ongoing abusive and inappropriate environmental decision-making. So there's so much power that comes with this giving everybody a right to a healthy environment, and it impacts all decisions, all actions, all activities, all mindsets that exists in a state and hopefully ultimately here across the entire United States of America.
0: Yes, we each need to do this in our own state. As you said right at the outset, Maya, it is this community rallying together to create it. So tell us what happened in Montana, because that's relatively close to us. And so it's important for us to understand how they went about it
1: so montana also uh, passed their environmental rights amendment decades ago i believe in the seventies And there have been some really important really good decisions in montana that have come out of the montana court system using the environmental rights amendment to protect the environment of montana and in fact Some of the the important decisions that have come out of the Montana courts are very explicit that you don't have to wait for environmental degradation to happen, environmental damage or pollution to happen before you get to pursue your legal action to prevent harm. That really a Green Amendment, Montana's Green Amendment, embraces the idea of preventing degradation as much as it embraces the idea of giving people a right to come in after the fact and challenge damage after it's already been done. But I think part of the problem when you look at Montana and Pennsylvania, first off, these two states do, should, and must serve as an inspiration for all states, including Washington, right, to pursue and pass their own Green Amendments. But I think also because this idea of a constitutional right to a healthy environment has not been part of the consciousness or the conversation here in the U.S., these provisions have not been given the same vitality and strength as they should, right? Because when people have been running for elected office, they are not routinely asked. Do you believe in the people's right to clean water and clean air and that that right is more important than, you know, an industrial operation making profits? And so we've continued to elect people to office that don't really embrace this idea of the right to a healthy environment. I think as we get this Green Amendment movement going, not only will we be passing these stronger constitutional provisions that will be so beneficial in terms of environmental protection – But we will now be electing people to office that very explicitly recognize the inalienable right of all people, whether or not government has recognized it or not, the inalienable right of all people to access clean water, clean air, and a healthy environment. And as a result, we will be changing the dynamics of the environmental consciousness of all people, including legislators here in the U.S., And then in states like Pennsylvania and Montana, where we have these stronger constitutional provisions, they will be more frequently and better embraced and utilized to enhance environmental protection. They really have, in neither state have they been used to their full potential, but we're starting to get there in both states, which is really helpful.
0: Yes, you've certainly, shall we say, paved the way to keep moving forward, but also as this model that the rest of us can look to and embrace and fashion to fit our own states.
1: You know, it's so really interesting and fascinating that when you really reflect upon it, right, our whole lives we have learned about these other rights and people, you know, really have internalized the power and importance of having these fundamental rights because we learn about them being in the Bill of Rights section of our Constitution and we learn about them as inalienable rights. But when you talk to people in any state, in Washington and beyond, and you talk to them about this idea of having an environmental right, they absolutely say, "Of, of course I should have a right to a healthy environment. But when you really get them to reflect, nobody has actually learned through their schooling about this idea of having an actual legal constitutional right to a healthy environment. So it's interesting. They sort of feel it in their hearts, but they've never really thought about it much in their heads. And so as a result, when people go into conversations about the environment or they get engaged in advocacy around protecting their environment, stopping some new polluting operation or development project that might cut down a forest and increase flooding in a local community or any of these threats, they always go in hoping that their advocacy will be successful and that the right environmental outcome will take place but they don't actually go in expecting it the same way they go in and expect government officials will always make the right decision when it comes to free speech or gun rights or freedom of religion rights because they haven't learned to think of the environment in those terms throughout their lives. So when we start to talk to people, really you know, bring it into their consciousness about this idea of, do you have an environmental right? Do you believe you have an environmental right? Do you actually have a legal environmental right? And they realize that the environment, which is fundamental to all of our lives, right? None of us can live without clean water, clean air, healthy food, grown in healthy soils. You know, when you actually point that out to people, I think they're quite stunned by the reality that we don't have the right to a healthy environment and that most of us haven't thought about it in those terms throughout our lives because we haven't been taught to think about it that way.
0: And that's why having this conversation with you this morning, Maya, and your having written this important book where we can really find so much important information, the Green Amendment, securing our right to a healthy environment, all of this, I feel, is such great information that's going to empower us so we know how to take the next step.
1: And I so appreciate your saying that because I've been doing environmental advocacy for nearly 25 years now. And I have seen how our environmental laws and our political system really is failing communities across the nation when it comes to environmental protection. So I really, really believe in this pathway for change, and I hope that that is coming through. And I hope that, you know, the people of Washington will also embrace this idea and seek to advance a Green Amendment in Washington, because when you actually look at the Washington Constitution, there are provisions in Article 17 and Article 15 that talk about navigable waters and lakes and the like, but there is no provision in the Washington Constitution that recognizes and protects as an inalienable right the right to clean water, clean air, and a healthy environment. So hopefully we can get the movement going in Washington state as well. And maybe Washington could become the third state in the nation to have a true Green Amendment.
0: That would be the ideal. And Maya, let's also give people a way to connect with you by finding your website and all the good information there. And it is?
1: For the Generations, F O R thegenerations.org is a pathway to get more information on the green amendment movement and get in touch with me and if they want to learn more about the book it's maya van rossum m a y a v a n r o s s u m .green and in both places if there was a community group or an environmental organization that wanted me to come out and speak about this issue in person and answer the good questions that people have, there's a way to get directly in touch with me. And I would love to come out to Washington and speak with folks about how to get this idea going in the state of Washington.
0: That is an incredible offer. I do appreciate your taking this important time with us this morning. It's been so wonderful to hear all of your inspiration and to help us move forward.